Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Men in power are working overtime to control women's bodies, lives, and futures. Abortion access, freedom from sexual violence, and economic security are key to building a world where all women can thrive. The National Alliance to End Sexual Violence and the National Partnership for Women and Families are standing together to take power back. Learn more at nationalpartnership.org slash stand together. Everyone wants more money and everyone wants to make a difference. With Aspiration, a financial partner that puts you, your conscious, and the planet first, anything is possible. Enjoy a 2% annual percentage yield, zero ATM fees, and the option to choose your own monthly fee, even if it's zero. Plus, rest easy knowing your deposits won't fund the oil pipelines or drilling that harms our planet. Mm. Download the Aspiration app to open an account today. Save money, save the world. That I would never find Angel of mine I look at you Looking at me <laughs> Now I know why they say The best things are free Oh my god <laughs> I'm gonna love you boy You are so fine well, okay, Monica. Thanks so much. Auntie Monica, you know we love her. We stand a trap queen. Indeed. Praise the Lord, niggas. Praise the Lord, niggas. How are you Welcome today, back. sis? Yeah, man. I can't complain. Um, I'm doing okay. Just same old sis to the same old. How about you? I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling feeling good today. I'm tired, but I'm feeling, you know, it's a good tired, so We'll get into it a little bit in the kitchen table talk, but I'm in a good place. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, for the good of the order, we'd like to welcome you to another episode of Getting Grown with Jade and Kia. Yes. I'm Kia. I'm Jade. And we are back like cook crack to talk <laughs> about the scam that is adulting, the good, the bad, the ugly, the test, the trials, the twists, the turns, the temptations, and the taxes and tax extensions of being a real live adult <laughs> in the year of our Lord, 2019. Shout out to the tax extensions. Shout out to the tax extensions. Indeed, for those of us who need just a bit more time. Hello, good morning. Uh, but just be mindful that you don't want to take too much time and file um, if you file this tax extension, because if you do owe, you will need to pay what you owe plus interest. Yes. That's just a tidbit of information for those of you out there who may be thinking that you got till October. You just getting ready to just, you know, put all your paperwork back on the shelf. No, no, boo boo. Time is still of the essence. It is. Um. So, yeah, man. Um. 
we're here. We're uh, adulting. We are, you know, you ready to get to work? Absolutely. All right. We got trash. We have trash today. Let's go ahead and cue that cleanup woman tie. All right, sis, come on. Get your brooms and mops and things and let's get it. Let's get it going. Don't forget the bleach. So we have a little trash today. Uh, First and foremost, I know this one is just literally going to burn Kia's grits. So Kanye West, as we all know, rest in peace, has been Mm -hmm. hosting a church of sorts. Sunday service. Sunday service. It's a blasphemous celebration. (laughs) I just don't even know how to feel about it anymore. I mean... A blasphemous, sacrilegious, just, you know, shindig. So I I just I don't know that it's I don't I just don't understand. I'm at the point where I don't feel like I trust. I would like to believe the best. But just given, you know, Kanye's behavior as of late, I don't feel like it would be wise for me to go into this whole Sunday service situation without my guards up. So I don't know what it is to call it sacrilegion. Oh, well, I'm going to call it. Yep. I'm going to call it blasphemy because I, what what I know to be true is not anything associated with that. And I'm tell you how it was confirmed for me. Okay. Because he is selling church merch. I saw, I saw that. I did see $50 socks. $100 $100 sweatshirts. No. Church clothes or something. $225 sweatshirts that say Holy Spirit. First of all, mm. these sweatshirts look like they have been through so much. <laughs> Just like everything else he puts out. I mean, they are tattered and torn. They are distressed. They are this ugly sort of, sort of, uh, just vomit color. <laughs> Explain to us this Yeezy season. I don't it's understand. giving you fried green tomatoes like jumping out of a train. <laughs> I just All know. I know is the Lord is, does not ask nobody to pay $225 for no sweatshirt. And I just don't feel like I mean I think in in the in the in, in as someone who just enjoys music and choir music specifically, mm-hmm. if this is Kanye's way of celebrating that form genre type of of music um then i guess but i just don't understand um i would like to know more about the inspiration behind it um and to know that it like if it is just kanye and a choir singing in the desert um, you know, what happens next? Because I feel like if you're going to call things service or liken them to church, it would just need to have a bit more depth um, than music. And I understand that music is, is a, a great way to kind of introduce people to things. And it sets the spirit and the tone for, you know, other kinds of interactions and encounters like, you know, in the spiritual. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. I, I get that. But I'm saying if you're going to call something service and not like a concert, I would just need to know if there's some any other programming or something behind whatever Kanye is doing. Well, but DMX I'm, I'm, apparently prayed. He did a prayer. Well, and, and listen, <laughs> 
Listen, now y'all have heard me say this several yeah. times in several different ways. And you can say what you want about DMX, but I believe that his prayers reach heaven. I mean, anybody named Earl, I would just imagine has I'm a good relationship with God. I'm telling you that when DMX prays, something in my spirit man stands up. And I believe that he is actually speaking to my savior. That's what I'm saying. Um, are you alive? Yes, I'm here. Yes. Oh, okay. I just didn't know what was happening. Um, but yes, I, I think that, uh, I think that, um, listen, I'm always going to be present for a DMX prayer, but again, I was just, I just need more context before I just, you know, uh, hitch my wagon to Kanye and these Sunday services. And I have asked the Twitter, the Twitter and the Twitter, you know, you guys usually respond to my questions with useful information. But everybody thought that I was being shady when I asked what Kanye was doing with this choir and these musicians out in this forest. And everyone just thought I was being funny, but I really was looking for some answers. No, we all want to know. We all because nobody I think nobody knows the answer, honestly, is what it is. But um, we know our, our girl Kelly, remember me different from Insecure, uh, also known as Natasha Rothwell. She put a tweet up regarding the Sunday services and she said, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I okay. refuse to support a man who proudly supports a racist, homophobic, xenophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic president whose policies endanger the very people who subsidize his career just because he's selling redemption dressed up in church clothes. My G-T-F-O-H. My. Go forth. Says. All right, Say, Natasha. I think she summed that right on up. Say it with your chest. <laughs> Little last nigga. So, so that actually summed that up for me but yeah nah it's gonna be it's gonna be a no for me dog all right then well you know in other news in other more trash oh man george zimmerman oh, is trying to date who cares he's on dating sites and he's disguising himself care. as somebody else um, I do not care. I don't understand how a person uh, like him. I don't understand how him specifically is walking right. around this free earth. Right. Like Ladies, anybody. Woke. Could you imagine like showing up for your date from the tender and it's George Zimmerman? Like what would you I, do besides like gouge your eyes out with a spork? Gouge mine or gouge his. Or both and. Shoot. Yeah, no justice, no peace, nigga. I'd go off. I would go I don't off. Know what I would do? First of all, someone would probably have to tell me that that's George Zimmerman because I I try my best to remember the faces of the de- of the demons to, to, to forget well, the faces of the demons. But, a white queen know. responded to one of his um, requests on a dating site. Is and she said, all right? She said there isn't a special dating app like for you and Casey Anthony. <laughs> Well, I guess he picked the right one. So I'm the uh, obviously we know that um, the Trayvon Martin situation is no laughing matter. However, it is nice to see that somebody recognized him and decided to call him the Satan that he is um, along with another one. But hopefully, yeah, ladies, stay woke on these dating sites because this is out here slimy. Uh, John Singleton had a stroke. I heard that. And He's you been hospitalized. That? Troubling. Boys in the Hood. I know. Like, like all of the most epic films of our age. Like higher learning. Just, 
Oh, we just owe him so much. So we have to just keep him lifted up in prayer and not that kind, you know, a DMX prayer, one that's going to get through. Hello, <laughs> Baby boy, like baby boy gave me one of the single most hilarious lines that I, I that I just love from a nigga movie. And it's when Omar Epps, you know, was full blown nigga. And he was like, pray with me, Jody. <laughs> Oh he was gosh. like, I don't want to get to heaven Omar and Jesus Epps? be like, turn your ass around, nigga. <laughs> Omar, not Omar Epps, Lord. Omar, Omar Gooding. Gooding. I'm like, Omar what? Gooding. I just like, <laughs> blame like, it on the goose. No. <laughs> Omar Gooding, the young one. The one. Cuba's. Cuba's Ooh, not Cuba, his brother. That's what I said. Cuba's oh, definitely brother. not. Yeah, definitely not Cuba. <laughs> I'll show you something. I don't know about the money. But yes, Omar Gooding delivered one of my favorite lines. I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus be like, turn your ass around, nigga. But yeah, so we must keep John Singleton lifted. We must keep him. We must keep him in our prayers because he's a gem. We can't lose him right now. Um, something positive. Please. Jaden Smith performed at Coachella and Will came out. <laughs> so oh I know I'm old because I'm excited for the Will part of it. Like oh he came gosh. out, he rapped his son's lyrics for a little bit, you know, hyped the crowd up. They were super excited because everybody loves the Fresh Prince. Certainly. And ev- like everybody, everybody loves Fresh Prince. And so I just thought that was I thought that was so beautiful. You know, they was out there like the little weird family they are. We love them. You know, Jada. Um, I, I did see that Will was trolling Jada um, and posting memes of like dancing animals talking about this is how Jada was dancing at Jaden's on during Jaden's set. <laughs> like cute and like a and like a my dad uses Instagram weirdly kind of way. That's hilarious. And he does. And I love it. Actually, Will Smith is one of the greatest things to have happen Instagram in a very long time. Agreed. I absolutely love him. Um, and lastly, in the trash, Whitney Houston's best friend, Robin, is writing a tell-all book. Thank you. The truth. So, the truth will be set free. I mean, I think we know a good portion of it, but, you know, we'll get some of the tidbits that we've been waiting on. I'm anxious to hear from uh, Sister Robin. I am too. I'm, that's definitely going to be one. We're going to have to put that into the um, into the book club, which we will get back to very very shortly. So, oh, and um, I um, oh, oh, go ahead, sis. Uh, uh-uh, go ahead. I was going to ask you if you'd um, if you'd heard about the latest tales of gentrification story, um, where um, no, uh, disgust com- me community members uh, around Howard University mm-hmm. have been walking their dogs on the yard at Howard. I did read that story. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a story that made, you know, it was uh, made the news, uh, local news, and I think it's made national news now. Um, you know, they were interviewed a student and asked the student how he felt about, you know, um, members of the community walking their dogs through campus. Um, and the student voice that, you know, it wasn't anything against the animals themselves, but just saying, you know, that the yard is a, is a, a place that's filled with legacy and tradition for Howard. It's a place where students gather and, you know, you know, it's, they were, you know, students feeling disrespected by people walking their pets, um, and just kind of, you know, uh, 
taking um I'm trying to think about how I want to phrase this. Just utilizing the space. Um, and I mean, fair that Howard's campus is an open campus, although it is a private university. Mm-hmm. Um, but just feeling like it would be, you know, a sign of respect if 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 members of the community didn't do that. Um, specifically um on the yard, which exactly. is where um, you know, it goes down. But um there was a white man who was a member of the community who was actually out walking his dog during the time of this interview mm-hmm. and was quoted saying something to the effect of, you know, Howard is a part of DC. And if students don't, you know, want the community members in DC to be on their campus, then they should move their campus. Just very dismissively um, filled with caucasity and, and all of the privilege that comes with being uh both white and male just you know just um i saw his disgusting comments brimming with that so i mean i think it's it's a conversation that's kind of been buzzing about the interwebs and while you know dog walking on campuses is not something that is exclusive to howard that happens at a lot of urban universities public and private Mm -hmm. um it it is something that i think the symbolism of it is not lost on me and and especially given uh this this particular remark made by um, the neighbor, let's call him the, the neighbor of Howard, who, you know, just very uh, curtly and, and disrespectfully, yes, um, <laughs> very disrespectfully just kind of insinuated that Howard was some sort of trailer park that can be moved to a different location. Um, you know, it just really the whole thing I'm I am bringing it up. um you know, just 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 because for me, it's it just makes it apparent how the great history and legacy and significance and contribution of historically black colleges and universities is just lost. Um, and a lot of people don't have any knowledge or respect for these sacred spaces that are just central to black culture and black history and black tradition. So I just wonder um, I'm just throwing it out here as a piece of trash. Um, because oh no it it's trash. a big piece of trash it's a giant piece of trash and I saw that video and it pissed me off because Howard was built in 1867 mm-hmm. you have been in this neighborhood for all of um, maybe two and a half years just, and, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you have the caucasity to open your mouth and say if you don't want my dog to shit on your lawn <laughs> that's been here since 1867 <sighs> then Maybe you should just move your little school right out of the way. What kind of white ass shit is that? It's just disrespectful. And I mean, this is something that unfortunately Howard is not the first to deal with. Gentrification has had lots of implications. Sorry, I can't talk. Mm -hmm. Lots of implications for HBCUs and other minority serving institutions. So I'm just putting it out here on the table that we might discuss it at one point. Um, because I feel like if we are, if we can watch Homecoming on Netflix and celebrate with Beyonce mm. about all of the contributions of HBCUs in the way of music and dance and, uh, you know, bands and all of that, which I think mm-hmm. is just amazing and necessary, then we we are duty bound to talk about 
all of the other ways that HBCUs make substantial contributions to this country and to our edu- education as people of color. So yeah. I think that there's a lot that we, a lot more that we can do. And I'm trying to think of ways that this show can be a part of affecting change and, and impact in that way. Because, you know, I just think the stories, the rich traditions and histories and legacies and all the, all the significance of what it means um, to have, you know, I think it's, I don't remember exactly how many, I want to say it's like 160 something HBCUs in this campus and all the ways that they have, uh, you know, built up our nation, our nation of, of African-American, black American culture and tradition. I think, you know, we have to do better about making their uh, impact um, mm-hmm. be felt in in more substantial and significant ways. This is the people, lots of scholars, lots of important people, lots of lots of leaders are doing substantial work around um, telling the stories of HBCUs, and we got to do better. Um, while while you know Beachella and Homecoming and everything was was dope. And I have watched it several times now and will continue to do so. There is just a lot more about HBCUs that needs to be a Netflix documentary as well. Absolutely. Because Beyonce touched on it a lot in Homecoming. Um, The reason why the entire theme of Beachella was HBCUs and Homecoming and that being, you know, the Super Bowl of your, you know, your college year or what have you. But I do think like a documentary on the true backstory and really going into this different specific uh, schools and Battle of the Bands and like really going into the history of those things would be just homecoming is huge. Homecoming is huge on Mm -hmm. every HBCU campus. But a substantial I mean, it's it's, it's a weekend. We have to think about the other um, 50 one weekends of the year that HBCUs are doing amazing work in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, all the ways that we are contributing to educating, um, you know, leaders and thinkers and innovators and writers and, and scholars and politicians. And, you know, there's just so much that HBCUs do. HBCUs are responsible for so much more than bands and majorettes. Is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. While yep. I think bands and majorettes are dope and amazing, I think that there's just a lot more story to be told Absolutely. about the contributions of HBCUs and the fact that um, I'm just thinking like, okay, so this white man wants to be a dick and talk about how he feels like it's his right to allow his dog to, to do-do all over <laughs> Howard. What can we do to build upon this traction and, you know, uh, get HBCUs out there and in the mainstream co- culture and conversation um, in ways that highlight what their, what their, uh, their value and significance and not just the fact that white people and um, other privileged populations continue to dismiss Mm-hmm. Um, all that is uh, the HBCU experience. So again, bigger than dog walking. Dog walking is in 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 disrespect. That's not something that is that is specific to or limited um, to Howard or HBCUs. But bigger than that, how can we take this um, example of ignorance and really turn it into a way that that tells a bigger and better and brighter story? That's what I'd like to see. Me, myself, personally. 
Yeah, I just wanted to be a huge let. Like, first of all, if you ever had a question as to what caucasity is, go ahead and look this story up. This is literally the embodiment and definition of caucasity. <laughs> it is. It is what it, it is. It is what it represents. It is what it is through and through. So, if you ever had a question about it, go ahead and look that up. Uh, look up that story. The recent one about that white man talking about walking his dog on Howard's lawn disrespectful ass idiot these people act motherless and it pisses me off like and you know what maybe you act don't act motherless maybe your mother also acts this way and this is why you all feel like it's okay for you to just do whatever you want to do but yeah that's a larger conversation um homecoming was actually going to be the last thing on the trash but we've already kind of covered that so homecoming was amazing thank you Beyonce, for being Beyonce. Oh. Thank, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you, Miss Tina. Thank you. Uh, so for good. For carrying her. So good. In your loins. So good. So, <laughs> so good. absolutely so good. good. I, I love when love Beyonce trans- gets vulnerable and shit. Yeah, I was just to say the transparency of it is mm-hmm. really like my favorite part to mm-hmm. hear someone who is a force, like the force that is Beyonce talk about being fat and exhausted. <laughs> really yep. just affirmed me in ways that I didn't know that I needed. Um, and no, I've not had twins. I've not carried twins. So I'm not comparing the things that I struggle with to Beyonce's, but I'm just saying what's so dope about Beyonce is that she doesn't inspire you to want to be her. She inspires you to want to be better because she, mm-hmm. she continues to strive for, uh, to be her best self and to level up. Like Beyonce is always going to push herself to the next place and continue to blow our minds in the process. Cause like, how do we think, you know, I mean, just giving us the context, we didn't even know all that Beyonce was going through. Um, and we still appreciated the, the, uh, Coachella performance, mm-hmm. but to now get the documentary and to see all that went into this and all that was behind it and the months and months and months that it took to prepare. I'm mm-hmm. grateful as someone who studies process and who is all about process and an advocate for transparency about process. I love that the documentary gave us some, um, insight into the process behind building um the homecoming performance and like all that went into making something so great yeah and how hard it was and how many times she wanted to quit and how hard she pushed herself and it was just it was it's just a I love watching it. I feel like I get something new out of it each time and just beyond the music, right? But just like hearing her story and her talk about herself um, in such open and honest ways, always, um, I'm always going to be here for that. Absolutely. I I was, oh, I was just so happy with it. I was just absolutely happy to be able to see behind the scenes, to be able to see her vulnerability. Like Kia said, she doesn't make you want to be her. She makes you just want to be a better version of yourself. Um, and that vulnerability helps people also to just feel like, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. If somebody is right. amazing as Beyonce is going through it, then I know that, you know, like I know that I'm a human being. She's a human being. And I love when, when the, you, when they humanize her, I love when she humanizes herself and like makes herself vulnerable to, to the public. So I'm not saying she got to put all her business out there, but it's right. nice for her to let us know every once in a while that she is human. <laughs> And when she says she was hungry, I felt that's in my spirit. I mean, I think that if that's um, if that is an idea for merch, 
if Beyonce sold a shirt that said I'm hungry on it, I would buy seven of them. Oh, absolutely. Every color. Because, I mean, it was so honest. I mean, because that's real, because all of the healthy people on Instagram and social media, we want who record themselves climbing up hundreds of thousands of flights of stairs and and meal prepping and all of that. I mean, and they're acting like this is just an amazing just that they're having the time of their life doing all of this. I know y'all hungry. And Beyonce just told it. She did. <laughs> she, she was like, I'm did. not eating the food that I want to eat and I'm hungry. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. But also, I, a big thing that I took away is Beyonce still treats people in a kind manner when she is not feeling her best. And I know a lot of us have a tendency to you know, kind of forget about other people and, and delve so deep into our own feelings that we we're we're not always the nicest people when we're not at our best. So that was one thing I took away. I was like, she not saying that she has every right to be a bitch, but you know what I'm saying? Somebody at that caliber, it wouldn't be surprising if you heard like they're not a very nice person because you hear it so often, but she doesn't act that way. She's I still treat people. I still still treat people kind. I still talk to them the way that they. So that's why I'm like, and that's see, a sign this is of why an you, awesome yep. leader. It's a sign yep. of somebody who has you know the character traits and the capacity and the intelligence to really move and lead not only herself but a whole organization. Like yep. I was watching it. Like look at Beyonce out here being a manager like having a standard and having a structure about mm-hmm. doing things, but still being conscious of things like culture and human relations. I'm like, there's just so much leadership theory in this. I was getting my whole nerd life watching it. Like, look at this. I see all of Bowman and Deal's theories of leadership development in Beyonce's homecoming. Just look at it. It's right there. She was very clear on what her vision was. She was very clear when something wasn't to her standard and what it was that needed to change. So she wasn't just giving people blind advice. You know how sometimes bosses will go on a rampage and you don't really know how to fix a certain situation at times. Yes. But she was very clear about the direction that she wanted to go. And it was also done in a respectful way. It was so much so that even Jay-Z was like, well, I guess that's it for the day. <laughs> like, right. And, and yeah. I, I love that she was a leader who got her hands dirty. It was mm-hmm. never that she was sitting in a director's chair pointing mm-hmm. out things and and just kind of uh, supervising without, um, you know, participating. But Beyonce was on the floor with them. She was sweating. She was tired. She w- But she still, you know, led from a place of... You know, she's just having that, you know, duality of being able Mm -hmm. to see the big picture, but still understand what it's like to be on the ground, living it and making it happen and playing her part as well. It was never a matter of she had an expectation of people doing things that she wasn't willing to do, which I think is just like I said, yo, just there's so much life lessons. And I think that's why I really get annoyed when people be all um deep and and contrarian and they be trying to be all anti Beyonce. Now I'm not uh, saying that Beyonce is without flaw or she's right. above reproach. But I do feel like I just wish that we we would stop comparing Beyonce to other people. Especially um, crackheads. <laughs> but I just feel like I mean, we talk about this at the kitchen table, but I just feel like success is going to mean different things and be demonstrated in different ways for every individual person. So that makes the act of comparison a useless and futile endeavor. Like for people, especially when your comparisons are stupid. 
Yeah, I mean, even people, even people who prefer Solange <laughs> over Beyonce, which is fine if that's your choice. But I just feel like even, even Beyonce and Solange shared a womb, and the ways in which did they impact music and impact the world are so different that it doesn't even make sense to compare them and to compare them in a way that suggests that you cannot like both Solange and Beyonce at the same time. Solange has written for Beyonce. How about I that? I mean, most of most of the songs. So some of the shit that y'all be jamming to when you want to talk shit, Solange may have written that. Why don't like, you love me? Solange wrote it. I just, I mean, and I'm even going back to the Destiny's Child's days. Solange wrote or co-wrote most of that. Get me bodied, all yeah. of that. Like let's yeah. not, let's not. Uh, I don't know, but I, I don't. That was that was a bonus. I'm not coming for anybody in particular just speaking generally about people who just like to get on Twitter and talk trash about all the things that they didn't like or I don't know why I ain't watching I'm not watching if you don't watch it then just don't watch it I don't watch so much stuff every day but I don't have to get up here and and shame the people that choose to watch it just say you don't like it no but since it. but since they want to be contrarian and since they want to have mindless opinions then i'm just gonna go ahead and back your back it up and show you in every which way that you're wrong like the young man who said that beyonce can do this and posted the chris brown doing the front flip to march madness and again the point was reiterated all across the internet crackheads can all flip y'all didn't show us nothing that we have not seen in the hood. Like you can't, you don't compare Chris Brown to Beyonce saying Beyonce can't do this. When I have literally seen a crackhead riding a bicycle with no tires. How did this become about crackheads again? (laughs) Just show me. You can always bring it back to crackheads. How do we make this turn? You could always, it's always like applicable in some way. But anyway, Beyonce's great. No, she's not without flaw. If you're if you are just hating on her work ethic and hating on her as a performer, then I just know you a hating ass nigga. And then I can't listen to anything that you have to say. And that's the trash this week. <laughs> Let's right. get into a shout out. My sister's popping right now. Like. OK, it's time to shout out sisters and brothers and cousins and aunties and uncles. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this particular shout out this week. I came across um, a post on Instagram. Um, my good homie, uh, Candice O. Olivia of Candice O. Beauty um, mm. posted a, a organization uh, by the name of the Hustlers Guild. And the Hustlers Guild is um, a program that focuses on supporting students performing arts and careers in mass communications. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong thing. The Hustlers Guild is, I'm sorry, um, a 501c3. It's a community impact organization that serves underrepresented youth. It was founded by Obama administration alum Yasmin Selena, Jason Spear, sorry, and Kevin Beckford. Um, They all shared similar experiences navigating the political ladder in the nation's capital and came together to extend their expertise and resources under the shared commitment of empowering young leaders. Their mission is to develop and empower youth the ages 10 through 19 from underrepresented communities and to drive innovation that will impact the future. Um, And their focus is on um, STEAM, so science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, or arts and music, I don't remember, but um, Mm -hmm. I came across a post. They are having a campaign right now where they are raising money to sponsor eight high school students who have been developing a pitch um, uh, to have the opportunity to go to New York City and compete um, 
they're raising $222 per student um, to go and, and present their science innovation, their tech, you know, their, their STEM work um, in New York city. And I just think that this is a, a dope organization that's doing awesome work. Um, um, and it, and it's about, uh, you know, it's, it's just black women, black men and women coming together to, you know, under the banner of hip hop and community advocacy, um, to support, um, you know, these young people in uh, doing amazing work in uh, science, technology, engineering, arts and math. And, um, you know, I just think it's dope. And we're just, you know, more than just coding and the kind of things that you programs you hear all the time, but people who are have a range of inf- interests in um, science and the STEM disciplines, I think it, it's dope. And I would absolutely love if um, the Getting Grown listeners would get behind the Hustlers Guild and to help send some of these high school children to New York City to present their work. Um, it's a scholarship program and it's just an awesome opportunity. I think it would be a dope way to encourage some of our youth to continue to stay in school and to be innovative and creative and really get some of these STEM dollars, STEM and STEM and STEAM dollars and coins um, because there's a lot of government funding that goes into uh, developing uh, young people who have aspirations for STEM careers and STEAM careers. And this is my wheelhouse because y'all know I work um, in STEM higher education reform. So we're going to yes. leave the um, contact information, all the ways that you can donate to the Hustlers Guild. It would really be dope if y'all would help us out and help to help getting grown to help um, the Hustlers Guild send some of these high school students to New York to present their work, support uh, costs. I mean, your donations will cover the cost of food, transportation, support the, the cost of facilitating mock interviews for the students and also offer them career coaching from the That's Hustlers Guild. That's amazing. Yeah, from the Hustlers Guild's corporate partners. So their cash app is the dollar sign Hustlers Guild. You can donate that way or you can go to hustlersguild.org to donate online. Um, they also have a PayPal link. All that information will be in the description box. So support um, support um, the Hustlers Guild as they do this awesome work in the community, yo. I think I think what they're doing is is amazing. Absolutely. Getting into debt is easy, but mm. getting out is hard. Mm. True words have never been spoken. Not Thankfully, not. there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smaller interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. So Upstart, like, I don't know where this was when I was 18 years old and getting my first credit card, but it would have been fantastic <laughs> when I realized that I had made a mistake and maxed that thing out in two weeks and had oh to pay God. the entire thing off with a 25% interest rate. Jesus. But you all don't have to. Jay did that. So hopefully y'all don't have to go through that. You have Upstart. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. Once the loan's approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund their wedding, or make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry to Upstart.com slash grown to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and won't affect your credit. 
That's upstart.com slash grown. All right. It's time to gather around the kitchen table for another <clears throat> conversation. Um, that will hopefully be useful um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to our hopefully. Um, I mean, it's been useful to me to think about it. I had a conversation with my good friend and sister scholar, Felicia, this morning um, because I found myself hey, in Felicia. a... Hey, girl. I found myself in a bit of a panic um, because um, I am... I am, I am a... How I show up in professional spaces may not fit neatly into kind of conventional categories. Mm -hmm. So for all intents and purposes, um, I am, you know, uh, an academic. That's how I like to think of myself Mm -hmm. um, in that, you know, my work basically means that, you know, I, I do research that hopefully, you know, generates knowledge and, and improves our understanding about, about things um and has um impact in um in in conversations um whether that be like you know conversations about how we can improve our practice conversations about how we can um grow and develop and 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 address different issues and challenges and concerns or conversations about how we can just you know get to that bag <laughs> no matter no matter what uh what um where the conversation may fall, I like to think of myself as being a generator of knowledge that will contribute to helping to move things forward. And I understand that that shows up differently. And um, I mean, you know, that work, that work doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to show up in pre-prescribed ways, but it's easy when you don't have access to a model or an Mm -hmm. example of somebody who exists in the space that you exist in just like you do it, it's easy to feel like you're not sure if you're doing it right. And, and I was, you know, dealing with, I've been dealing with that in in myself and I wanted to just kind of be transparent about that and hopes to have a conversation about how we define success and productivity. So I feel like um, we tend to think about or use those words in very general ways that success mm-hmm. may mean the same things for uh, all of us. And I think generally, broadly speaking, success, you know, the qualities of success, there is overlap, right? So being a sign of being success is, you know, having access to finances or resources or, you know, being able to have a certain sort of flexibility or freedom around your decision making. Like those are some general indicators of success. But when it comes to how you know you're fulfilling your purpose or how you know you're doing the work that you want to do and doing it well, that definition is not always universal. Right. So I wanted to have a conversation about why it's important to to um, develop the practice and cultivate the practice and maintain the practice of defining what success means to you and for you um, by yourself and um, or for yourself and why it's dangerous to not do that. Because if, you know, being a good teacher um, only means if, if I only look at the test grades, the test scores and the grades of my students as an indicator of whether or not I'm a good teacher, then there mm-hmm. may be some days when I don't feel like I'm a good teacher because my students aren't doing well. Right. But if, if I have an idea that, you know, um, 
uh, indicator of oh, for me being a good teacher means that my my students are asking uh, hard questions. If I see my mm-hmm. students really grappling with the learning process in ways that make me know that they that their minds are being changed and that they're being stretched and broadened um, and, and, you know, being made stronger because of what I'm doing, then even on the days when their test scores suck, I'm not, you know, completely discouraged. I'm still encouraged to know that what I'm doing is making a difference. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it um, for the good of the order, I would ask you what does success mean to Jade of all Jades? How does, how does Jade know when she is doing the work that she wants to do and doing it well? Well, that was kind of part of that is actually part of your question is my answer. Um, success to me is, is getting to a, a, a level. It's not necessarily a monetary situation, but it's getting to a point where I am fully doing what I want to do um, and not doing anything that I don't want to do uh, to sustain myself. And what to, do you, you want to do? So that's where it becomes complicated because like you were talking about earlier, uh, it doesn't necessarily fit into a traditional mold. And like you said there, it's it's really great to have people in certain industries um, that you admire and that you look up to and that you can learn from. But then it's also important, I feel like, to adapt and, and kind of manipulate those situations to work for you. So you take that advice that you learn from people, but then you learn how to apply it to yourself. So ultimately, my end goal is to take my food brand um, and I don't really know what to call it cause it doesn't really fit into anything, but take my food brand and literally be able to, uh, work on it on a digital level, um, to the point where, you know, cause I feel like, so there's different types of cooks, right? We've talked about this before. There's people who work in restaurants, executive chefs, there's people who do traditional catering. There's all types of chefs, all types of cooks, all different types of home, whatever. They've got all kinds of names now. I want to take what I love to do, which is working with food. Um, I do love having a digital space in order to talk about my love of food (laughs) and what I do with food. And I would love that to exclusively be what I do. I mean, exclusively. Yeah. Exclusively be what I do. Like I want that to be my thing. Um, where I don't have to take jobs that I don't want to take, where I'm offered opportunities based off of my passion, my skill, and, you know, ultimately my, my end goal, which is being able to take that love of food and translate it and share it with people all over the place. Dope. So what, what are indicators of progress and towards your, towards your end goal, even though your circumstance or situation might not be exactly what um so like you you you're on your way but you're not at the point where you right. are where you're aspi- that you're aspiring towards so mm-hmm. what are some of the what are some of the ways that you um you know how can you tell that you're making progress so i feel like in these situations there's it's always good to have 
in I don't want to say it an end game because I feel like you know that you don't ever want something to come to an end. So instead of an end game, you always want to have a big picture, right? You always want to have something ultimately a, a hard goal, a big goal to reach. But I think it's really important to um, acknowledge those small goals along the way. And so success for me is achieving those small goals. And so now, like at the stage that I'm at now, um, one positive sign uh, that I'm headed in the right direction is, for instance, let's take the dopest dinner parties. So I'm able to take these digital platforms, which are pop, my, my, my podcasts. I'm able to take those. I talk about food. I talk about what I do. You know what I'm saying? Social media is the the blessing part of it is where you get to interact and you get to to see what's going on with people, you know, that you are in tune with on a digital level. So if people listen to the podcast, they hear me talk about food, they hear me talk about my thing. I now am able to come to your city, put together a dinner party, put together a, essentially like a traveling restaurant and be able to share my love and my gift with people. And they're able to, you know, take partake in that. And so the fact that the dinner parties have been doing well, when we throw them, people come out, they support, people are enjoying it. I'm able to hear their feedback and see what they think. Those are signs right now of success for me. Awesome. I think for me, I'm still figuring out exactly how my work will materialized throughout my my life or career I think broadly speaking my goal is to uh, be a thought leader to be a um, a game changer um, mm -hmm. I think that if I think about all of the different things that I do I think the things that connects them is that I am about um um illuminating or telling the stories of, of underrepresented, underserved, marginalized people um, and broaching conversation about our experiences, um, asking hard questions mm -hmm. and doing so in a way that pushes us forward. So mm -hmm. I think of the podcast, I think of Team Type of Fast, I think of my, my professional work all as little arms of this of this um larger goal that I have and I'm mm -hmm. most committed to um telling the stories of black women and being a part of changing the story um of how black women are seen and heard and understood um and valued mm -hmm. um in different spaces and I want to have impact I think that's that's if I can think of, if I can um, choose one word that represents success for me, it's impact. Uh, mm -hmm. I think coming from um, academe and social media, not coming from social media, but like experiencing social mm -hmm. media, I feel like we all get, it's easy for us to get caught up in the hype of self-congratulation and um, making ourselves feel good and being validated mm -hmm. by others <clears throat> almost, you know, and it's, and, and that's not a, a dig because, you know, I, I have been a party to it and victim of it and, you know, get caught up in it. It's not, it's not hard to do, but mm -hmm. I'm, I think that along, along the way, 
we've lost um we've lost track of what really matters um we get so caught up in highlighting <clears throat> the successes that we that we don't talk about the struggles and the process in ways that allow for us to critique our process and practice and move things forward so mm-hmm. that being said like i was talking about earlier um because I'm I'm mostly in academic spaces, I find myself trying to fit my work into kind of conventional academic standards of success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, writing papers, doing presentations, um, writing books, giving talks, those kinds of conventional academic kind of things. And while I have done and am doing some of those things, um, it's easy for me to feel like I'm not doing enough because I'm not producing at the volume that I would like to produce mm-hmm. at. Um, and I, and, and I know in the same way, it's easy for me to think that, um, that this work, like the podcast and team typing fast and, and the other service projects that I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, don't count as work. Um, and me being pulled in opposite directions, feeling like I'm conflicted between being productive in the traditional academic way or having impact in these broader ways that are, that go beyond the boundaries of just academia. Um, But my comment, when I was talking to Felicia earlier, she was saying, you know, I think it's more about redefining what success and productivity mean to you. Mm -hmm. And when she broached that conversation to me, I was like, wow, that sounds really overwhelming and very difficult and challenging to do. Um, <laughs> but I do feel like it is something that I should definitely learn how to do because if I don't, I'm going to kill myself trying to fit myself into these boxes when I don't fit into mm-hmm. them. So I wanted to have a conversation or just talk about that here in the event that someone else might be feeling like they don't fit in the boxes that they find themselves in or the boxes that they thought that they were going to be in, or they started off aspiring towards, but realized that the way that they do their work doesn't necessarily match or fit with the way that other people do it. And that's okay. Ooh, me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny. And, and just kind of piggybacking off of what you said, another thing that's important to me is um, not only not only in what I want to do in this space as it pertains to a culinary, you know, how experience or what have you. Um, it's important for me to be able to do this as myself. Right. So there's a million cooking shows out there. There's a million, a million, a million different types of food content out there. So it's important for me to be able to just be myself and have my particular voice paired along with what I love. And to maintain that authenticity is something that I want to make sure that I, um, that I keep to. That's a, that's, I'm so glad you said that the, um, article that I found an article on, um, HuffPost, mm-hmm. um, that's uh, three steps to define success on your own terms. And the author said the need for a universal definition of success is what constantly keeps us in a state of lack. Mm. Finding, finding true success requires honoring the parts of you that are different from everyone else Mm. Um, and really stepping into that own your individuality um, and really leaning into that in a, in a world that, that tells you that you have to be like other people to succeed. Mm. Yes. Um, um, The author tells a story of how 
you know, the stress of, of trying to meet these universal standards of success made her sick, physically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and after she dealt with that, um, she went about uh, this process of of really learning who who she was and, and coming to, to understand what success meant to her. And she talked about success being an internal shift versus an external outcome. That come mm-hmm. and it's as a result of looking your fears in the face, um, the fear of um, the fear of what what comes naturally to you, your purpose, the things that you just feel intuitively compelled to do, um, mm-hmm. fears of those things, just telling them to shove off and um, like literally pursuing um, Pursuing what success and purpose and fulfillment looks like for you, even if it doesn't make you a ton of money or it's not flashy or important or grand. Um, It's just, you know, whatever that you whatever you would do um, that just brings you joy and and Mm -hmm. just makes you feel like you're being used uh, in the ways that you were being designed to use. That's really how you go about defining success, the three steps that she outlined was one, defining yourself on your own terms, in terms mm-hmm. of who you want to be outside of all the expectations that people place on you. Um, a daring to be great, having the cor- the courage to pursue who you really are and being mm-hmm. willing to work for it. Because uh, she talks about how um, these, these this work of being yourself fearlessly and shamelessly is hard work and it's something that you're going to have to pursue every day um, Mm -hmm. because you're going to want to you're going to want to quit and it's just going to seem easier for you to just go get that desk job and go to work (laughs) at nine o'clock and and go home at five and i'm not saying that desk jobs mean that you are not fulfilling your purpose but i'm just saying if it if for some people it can be doing work that you don't really want to do just because it's easiest to do it yeah. Good morning and buenos dias. It's just easiest to do. It. <laughs> it's just easiest to do it. But yeah, I just I just thought it would be it would be um I don't know, it helped whoa. It just is my phone. It helped me um the conversation with Felicia this morning really kind of got me together as I was sitting at my desk feeling like, dang, I'm tired. I've been working my butt off. And then I feel like I still have so much to do. Like I don't have much to show for the energy that I've expended. And she was like, what are you talking about? You're doing a hundred thousand things. And I was like, yeah, but they don't count. And she said, says who? Mm. Says who? And I realized mm. that I was the one that was saying who, and I was the one who was trying to, you know, meet these um meet these uh, standards that other people set for themselves and that really have nothing to do with me which is exactly what we talked about with homecoming <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you can that's why you can't aspire. You can, you cannot aspire to other people's levels of success because other people's circumstances are not your circumstances. Everybody's got a different path. And as cliche as that may sound, it's absolutely true. Nobody ever reaches the destination the same way. There's literally no same route or road that people go down to reach their their different goals and paths. So it's important not to compare yourself to other people. You can look to other people for admiration. You can look to other people for clues and tips on how to do certain things, yeah, but to try to aspire to be yeah. them. 
modeling is not always mimicking, right? You can model right. your behavior and your practice after somebody else um, or another person. Um, but but it doesn't mean that you have to live their life. It's right. about taking what, what is useful from, the, from uh, your interactions or relationships or even if you've read, like, you know, a lot of people that I, I feel like have mentored me, I've never met, but I've read all their books and listened to all their all their talks on YouTube or or the Internet. Mm-hmm. And I and I have followed their career in such a way. Um, and I've learned things from the patterns of, you know, how they how they present, how they how they present their work um, and the impact that they had. Even though I've never had a conversation with them, I could look at them and and want to emulate that kind of impact without being who they are. Exactly. Right. It's beautifully said. <laughs> beautifully said. <laughs> it's true. Like you. It's true. It's true. You can look to people for inspiration, but you don't have to be fashion over about it. You know what I'm saying? The like, fashion Nova version of your success. Stop pursuing the fashion Nova version of success. <laughs> you don't have to be a cookie cutter copycat version of what somebody else is doing. Even if that can, cookie cutter version is comfy and convenient. Right. Like, like you know push saying? to be, push to be haute couture, push to be avant-garde in a world avant-garde. of Fashion Nova. Right. Push to be avant-garde in a world of Fashion Nova. Right. Be a easy. Andre Leon Talley yes. in a world of Fashion Nova. Right. When it's easy <laughs> and most convenient, when Fashion Nova is most accessible, who you are designed yeah. to be is never Fashion Nova. Like, <laughs> Who you were designed to be, what your 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 contribution yes. is is never going to be Fashion Nova, and that's not to shade Fashion Nova because Fashion Nova has a contribution to the world. They're making billions of dollars every day. I'm, but I'm saying just that doing like it copying off of other people, right? <laughs> but I'm saying that yeah, I'm saying that um, you know everyone has a lane, and mm-hmm. it's just important to to define success and define what success in your lane means for you because ultimately if you're chasing somebody else's dream um you know you one could argue that you will never be fulfilled because fulfillment comes from within mm-hmm. and all the things that are external to you um you know have expiration dates when who you are does not so even if your aspiration is you know my aspiration is to lose 50 pounds once i lose it <laughs> 50 yeah, that might be what a bit of What kind of that's I'm, what in the hell are you well, even talking saying, about right now? Don't mess up my analogy. That's not what <laughs> this is about. Yo, this just went left. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm saying like if I were to lose the weight, you know, when I reach reach the goal, then what? You know, right. I would have to redefine. You know what what lifelong success is. So just think think. Um, don't be afraid if you don't fit into what others say success looks like and seek to define success on your own terms by knowing who you are, being courageous enough to pursue who you are and being willing to work at it every single day. Every single minute of every single day (laughs) outside of the few that you get to sleep. Cause that's what it's going to take, man. Honestly, when people ask me or people tell me they want to get a PhD, my first question is for what? Mm. 
Because, you know, if you just want people to call you doctor, you could just go to Kelly Price way. You could just take the Kelly Price route. Get I you. mean, listen. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know what I'm he saying? Was a friend of mine. I'm just saying, just like, you know, you just get your honorary, be out here, do you know, has have some, you can literally just go around. You could you could tell people to call you doctor if that's what it Good. if that's what it yeah. means. You can literally change it. Like the prefix is so like people, yes, it is. Will you earn it? You know, it is it is meaningful. But mm. you do not go through all that you go through to get a doctorate degree just for people to call you doctor. Like it's got to, it's got to mean more than that. Um, you have to have a sense of what you want to use it for, at least as far as, as I'm concerned from where I sit, because it is hell. It's not easy. And I'm saying that if you, in order to make it through and persist and push through all of the bull swanky that you're going to have to navigate through in order to get that degree, because they're going to make you fight for it. You're going to have to sink your teeth into more than just, I want people to call me doctor and I'll feel fancy when they call me doctor to get you through it. That's real. That's kind of like, I mean, if I, if I'm going to liken that at all and bring it down to a super basic level with my food, it would be real easy for me to, um, you know, study French culinary and and go and work in somebody's restaurant as an executive chef and have people praise me as an executive chef and, you know, crank that out every single day. But I know ultimately that's not going to make me happy. That's not the kind of food. I'm not saying that's not the kind of food I want to cook. I want to cook everything, but I want to do it in an environment where I feel good. I want to do it where I'm able to kind of navigate it the way in which I want to navigate it, where I can remix different things and I can offer people all types of different, different culinary experiences at one time, you know, different cultures and whatnot and different tastes all at one time. And I want to be able to do that my way. And then I'd love to be able to, to bring it to a larger scale, but I want it to be with my personality. I don't want it to be you know, given by some lady who, you know, don't put no salt in her mashed potatoes while they're boiling. So so. it's, we've seen stuff. We've seen worse things be so sis together. We've seen this some green bean, almond Dean, green bean, almond Dean made in the microwave with a dash of water and almonds. (laughs) But Again, like he has said, it's important for you in whatever it is that you want to be successful at for that success to be defined by how by your standards, not by other people's standards. You and you alone. You know what you I'm saying? And, and often and, and, and as long as you reach that and you stay authentic and to who you are and really listen to what it is that you want really listen to yourself that's why it's important to meditate and really like sit down and have conversations with yourself you may think that's crazy but it's important because you got to get in tune and really figure it out what it is that you want to do and what's going to make you happy and how you can get there show you're right man show you're right i just i just think it's yeah i'm just going to end it there but it's it's about asking yourself it's about asking yourself the necessary questions um, thinking, thinking about, uh, you know, the boxes that you, that you are aspiring to and not the boxes that you're aspiring to, but like thinking about, um, what work means to you, what qualifies as work to you and, Mm. and being honest. And if that doesn't fit into, you know, and, and, and being honest about that path, 
um, and, and not discounting your efforts if they don't, if they don't uh, match up with what, what others might say they need to match up or be. Amen. Amen and Ashe. <laughs> Dating is hard. And I can just end the show right there because I have already <laughs> preached. But <laughs> dating is hard, but Love Who makes it easy. Love Who is the best dating app there is. In fact, it just won the User's Choice Award for Best Dating App from Google Play. Not too many love dating apps. My hand is raised, but people love LaVou and it's no secret why, because it actually works. There's no endless browsing through people who aren't serious. If you just want to hook up, oh God, if you just want to hook up, (laughs) LaVou isn't for you, child. LaVou is for relationships. It's for something a little more serious, uh, but it's also seriously fun. LaVou makes it easy to break the ice and meet that special someone. So if you're tired of mindless swiping, go get LaVou. That's L-O-V-O-O. Lavu. Download it now on iPhone or Android. You get one week free of Lavu Premium membership by using voucher code Get Love Now. Get the dating app of the year with one week free. Again, using the code Get Love Now. That's Get Love Now for one week free on Lavu Premium. Get the Lavu app right now on iPhone or Android and meet that special someone today. Says Lavu. <laughs> 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 Honestly, truly. All right, let's get into these box of truths. We are going to give our our sis a pseudonym. Her name's gonna be Kiki. Okay. So Kiki says, Praise the Lord, niggas, in all caps. <laughs> First and foremost, let me say that I appreciate all that you ladies do and I respect your grind. It's always refreshing to hear another black woman scratching and surviving through this thing called life with only 24 hours in each day. Know that we're all rooting for you in my Tyra Banks voice. Thank Thank you so much. I hope you're not yelling at us like she was, though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'll give you the short version of my situation. Growing up, I was raised by 90 percent women. My mom's a single parent with two kids by different people. My sister's dad was present in her life and he acted kind of as my stepdad. But my father was ghost. As a kid, I always wondered where my dad was and more importantly, who this nigga is. I finally built up enough courage one day to ask my mom and Wu child. At that point, that was the biggest mistake of my life. She went off. So I tried to ask some of my other family, aunts, grandfather, grandmother, who he was, and nobody had an answer for me. Eventually, I got to the point where I said, fuck it. I honestly stopped caring. As I got older, around 16, maybe my mom told me his name and basically said he was no good and hit her a couple times and did drugs. So I'm like, okay, he wasn't shit. Maybe it was a good thing he wasn't around. Fast forward to 2018, I get a voicemail from a man claiming to be my uncle, my father's brother. I didn't know how to react. It took me a couple of days of going back and forth in my head and talking to everybody except my mom about the situation. But I eventually texted him back and gave him my uh, gave. And he gave me my father, quote unquote, number. Now, this is where my issues really start. This nigga starts telling me the complete opposite of everything my mother has ever said about him. He claims that he never did drugs, never been arrested, never hit my mom, basically saying that everything she said was a lie. Then he goes on to say that he never even knew I existed until his brother told him about me. But right after that, he says that somebody he didn't say who mentioned to him when I was in about ninth grade that I was his daughter. Call me crazy, but that doesn't add up. 
On top of that, he's always been within at least a 25 mile radius of where I lived up until I was 18. He knew where to find me if he wanted to. He knew where my grandmother's house was, which was where I lived. He claims he wanted to be in my life and to get to uh, and to get to know me. But I honestly just can't take that shit serious. If he wanted to know me that bad, then he would have done so when he was told about my existence. I was blessed at a very young age with an antenna to detect bullshit. And as soon as he started talking, it started going off. Alarms blaring. Now, I'm only willing to give him a slight benefit of the doubt because I know that there are three sides to every story. But honestly, y'all, I don't have the patience or the desire to deal with this. I'm 100% thankful for the hand I was dealt and I have no complaints. I'm 24 with a Bachelor of Science in Computer Engineering. I make six figures. I put my own roof over my head. I have two cars and one is paid off. Like I'm blessed, all without this nigga. As I said in the subject, the only father I know and am willing to acknowledge is the Lord, period. This nigga is just a sperm donor. Am I wrong for not wanting him in my life, all things considered? Honestly, I think it's more of his loss than mine. Keep it a stack with me, please, as always. Thanks in advance, Kiki. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiki wants to know if she's wrong for not really wanting a relationship with her father. Yep. Am I wrong for not wanting him in my life? I mean, I don't know if it's my place to say. I mean, you did ask, but I, I think that, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you're wrong <laughs> um mm-hmm. i th- i think um you did you were open to having the conversation you did not feel comfortable with the information that you received and you made a decision based on that information i don't feel like you should put yourself in a situation where you um are dealing with someone who in your gut, you said that your your antenna for the BS went off. So I feel like your gut, your intuition is telling you that you don't believe, um, you know, you don't trust this situation. So I don't feel like you should volunt- have to voluntarily put yourself in a situation where you don't feel comfortable in that way. I will also offer to you that um, I don't necessarily know that this is a finite forever decision it mm-hmm. it could be that right now you do not feel like this is what you want to do and you're making a choice based on that and your circumstance may change in the future should you get more information or should you you have different perspective I just feel like you make decisions based on where you are right now but you mm-hmm. remain open to the possibility Uh, that things may change in the future, whether or not they do, you know, I don't think it's a right or wrong way, but I just feel like this is not a forever decision, at least not to me. What do you think? Um, well, if I'm gonna keep it funky, I think that sometimes, you know, we have people in our lives, uh, that we can't control them being in our lives that are toxic. But what we can control is how we choose to keep them in our life as we get older. 
And sometimes you find that people who are related to you through blood, whether it be a sibling, an uncle, an aunt, a cousin, or even a parent, who they're toxic to your life. Um, I know friends who have met a parent and didn't have a good experience and have said, I'm perfectly fine right now with this person not being in my life. Um, I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm loved. I've been, I've, I've grown up in a situation of love and yes, they've had difficult moments, uh, where they've been like, you know, why doesn't this person want me, but have since gotten over that and said, you know what, my life is great. And I'm, and I'm blessed to have all the people in it that I did have. And I don't need this person in my life. And so it's unfortunate because you would think um, just naturally with us being blood with certain people, especially somebody like a parent who brought you into this world, you would think just naturally they would have an undying affection for you and would do anything for you and would want, would move mountains to be in your life. But unfortunately, that's not always the hand that, um, that we're dealt. And so if you find that a person is, 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 is more toxic to you than good, even if it is a parent and they're putting you in a place where you don't feel good, then I don't think there's anything wrong with you detaching yourself from that situation. If that's what you feel is best for you. Um, if that's what's healthiest for you, you have to do, you have to do what's best for you. And sometimes that includes, uh, letting go of people who may have once served a prominent role in your life. Like, Carrying you in their balls. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I was just saying, okay. But you do have a good point that, I mean, it's nice. It is nice to, to keep yourself open to certain yeah, situations like and not close yourself off. It's okay to not know right now. I think that's right. where I am with my dad. Like, you know, my father came back into my life after Brian passed and, mm-hmm. you know, building a relationship was something that he said he wanted to do. And I had to ask him for time. Like, I, I don't I'm not able to jump into anything. I need to kind mm-hmm. of take my time and think through this and figure out how what it's going to mean and how it's going to look for my life. And I don't feel like you should put pressure on yourself or allow anybody to put pressure on you to make a decision like this right now. It could be, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's what I was trying to say before. It's okay for you to say, I don't know, but right now I don't know what I want to do as far as this situation is concerned for right now. I'm doing okay. I'm going to just leave it alone. If I get more information or, or come to a different place later on and can make a different decision then I'll do that right now. But you deciding to, you know, Whatever you decide right now, I don't I don't feel like has to be a, a, a end all be all decision is all I'm saying. It's OK to say I don't yeah. really know. I don't know. <laughs> like I, I need more time to really think through this. Um, and I think I think that's fair. It is. It is. She's also I, I'm maybe I when I read the question, she said, am I wrong for not wanting him in my life? So. I feel like that's very specific and it almost sounds like a decision was made, but it's like she might suffer from some sort of guilt. Cause a lot of times, you know, like 
where the whole phrase sorry not sorry comes from like sorry not sorry like i really want to feel bad about this but i just don't and if you're feeling like that like i tried i'm good with this i really don't want to have this person in my life then i don't want you to sit with a guilt yeah of feeling like you're supposed to have to want a person in your life if you feel okay with not wanting that person in your life then move forward with that don't sit in that and feel bad because you've chosen to keep a toxic situation away from you i think that's the vantage point that i was coming from but you also have a very valid point sis on keeping ourselves open if we do have questions about you know certain relationships i just said it's okay that whatever decision you make right now is just not you know it's not like written in blood um right you know, so I don't know if that would just take more pressure. I don't, I was trying to alleviate any pressure that she felt. She was mm-hmm. saying you know, if she did feel bad, if you don't feel bad, that's fine. But I'm saying like, you know, you know, you're allowed to change your mind as a grown oh, yeah, person. Always. So if something changes and you, you can always change your mind. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. I, or suggesting that you should. So I, I apologize if that's what came across. I guess I was just trying mm-hmm. to say you don't have to be pressured about your decision right now because whatever you decide as far as your health and safety and this uh you know relationship is totally your call mm-hmm. so i mean that's a that's a good point too for the for people who feel guilty about changing their minds i know i'd be feeling guilty about changing my mind sometimes and there ain't nothing wrong with that we're human beings so we're allowed to we're allowed to kind of sway and our feelings and our, you know, our feelings and things change a lot of times. So we shouldn't feel guilty about that. So that is a good point. I hope that helps Kiki. Do you love me? Are you riding? <laughs> Let's move on to the, to the petty peeves. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Cause everybody know I can be real petty. So my petty peeve is just real. um, It's real short and simple and to the point. It's work related or maybe just communication related. So I don't like when people give me directives in text message or email um, with no manners. Like, I understand that I, I, I have a certain duty. I have certain duties that I have to fulfill within my position. And sometimes that includes communicating with other departments. But even if something is my responsibility, it is your responsibility to remember what you learned at three years old, two years old, which is please and thank you when you're asking me to do something. Even if it is my job to do it, it is important that we all maintain some sort of humanity about ourselves and remember our fucking manners. Because I'm not your slave. Your slave is behind you. (laughs) One of Nene's greatest quotes ever. (laughs) Your slave is behind you. But yes, I just, you know, when when I ask people to do things, even if it's their job to do it, I make sure to always treat them with decency and respect. I greet them. I say please and I say thank you in advance and then I say thank you after it's done. And you know how much time it takes me to do that? None. So 
I just want us all to remember to talk to each other the way that we want to be talked to before I start talking to you the way that you're talking to me and you don't like it. And then I'm going to get uglier with it. So, and I'm going to win every time. Do you have a petty peeve, sis? Um, I feel like I've had this one before, but it is something that just keeps happening to me. Don't hunt me. Mm. Don't hunt mm. me. I don't Mm-mm. know why that just, I have a visceral reaction to, <laughs> to like, especially like, I don't know what it is about that particular colloquialism. Mm. Like, hey, hun. Hey, hun, don't hun me, son. Don't hun me. It's like me. condescending in tone. It's just like, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like it's just a sign of like, you don't know me when you use, when you use hun, mm-hmm. number one. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you just really think we're familiar and we're not familiar. So stop hunting me. Don't hun me. Don't hun me. Hey, no. hun, especially via email, especially for like work related things. No, if you're like, if your name is like Sarah Ann and you work at the Piggly Wiggly or like the, you know, Cracker Barrel and I come in there often for breakfast <laughs> and you're just greeting me and there's like sincerity in your voice. I can take it because your name is Sarah Ann and you've you still use hairspray and I understand that that's a part of who you are. But in email and in professional settings, it's super condescending. Don't hunt me. Hey, hon, just wanted Mm-mm. to, you didn't want to do nope. anything. No. Hi, Jade. That's, that's the quickest way for me to like ignore your correspondence altogether. Yeah. Literally, Jade is one more letter than <laughs> hun, so it doesn't really. <laughs> it's really just like, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Like we're not close. So just, you can just say, hey, comma. Like, yeah. <laughs> like. Hey, comma. Um, yeah. Oh, I do have one more petty peeve, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't. Because I hate you know, we, like a rerun. We have so many emails. You know what I'm... Oh, this is also a rerun, but it's it's warranted. Okay. We have so many emails and, and things and tweets. We've definitely, definitely talked about this on several episodes. We mention it quite frequently. Oh and yet, some people just still seem to completely ignore that entire part of the conversation. Kia's name oh, man. is spelled K-E-I-A. <laughs> and uh, to, technically, Takia, if you guys you know want to challenge yourselves, <laughs> is T-Y-K-E-I-A. But Kia does. And you can do K-E-I-A. Now... On the getting grown cover photo, there is a little Kia next to Kia and a little Jade next to Jade. And it's spelled K-E-I-A. Then if you look in the description box of every single show, um, it says or on Instagram, you know, or on Kia's personal Instagram even. It says Kia, K-E-I-A. So before, you know, we send emails and and tweets and Instagram posts and so forth and so on, just put a little bit more effort into properly spelling people's names only because 
you want your name spelled properly. You want it. We we try very hard over here to really pronounce you all's names right. You know what I'm saying? When we read them. So then we do that out of respect for you as a person. The name that your mother gave you. Now, we don't always get it right, but we are (laughs) well-intentioned. And I know you all are well-intentioned, but there are so many highlighted signs around that point you right into the proper spelling of, of Kia's name. So I just wanted to, you know, it's not really a petty peeve, more like a petty admonishment. I just, I mean, <laughs> this is a fight I've been fighting my whole life, all my yeah. life I had to fight. I get it. But now I'm my fighting with was, you, fighting for you. My mother was zealous in, in the spelling of my name. I understand that it is not mm-hmm. necessarily intuitive. So many though. blacks have been, it's fine. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just, I appreciate your, your, uh, your patience. Um, and I appreciate your cooperation. And I, I didn't ask Jay to do that, but I do appreciate you for acknowledging, you know, that people just want to, they just want to, I'm, I'm almost to the point now where I feel like people just are committed to making my name what they want. <laughs> so, you listen. know, and I get spell, spell check, but the way some of y'all be spelling it, I know that ain't spell check. I mean, I've gotten some K H. EAs. I'm like, yeah, like they my nigga, letters. They iPhone letters. did not do that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like you actually made it more complicated than it already it is. Kahia. But it's okay. It's all mm-hmm. right. It's all right. We're all in process. We're all struggling. We thank you for your time and your patience. And we appreciate you for listening to this show week after week, man. We appreciate you for helping us coming together with us as we gather around the kitchen table to figure out what the heck we're doing every single day. Um, And sometimes it's not nice and sometimes y'all ain't going (laughs) to like it. But part of adulting is learning and figuring out how to be a better person and how to do things successfully. And part of that is sometimes being told about yourself when you don't have <laughs> respect for other people. Lord so part of having respect for other people is trying to respect the names they have been given and the spellings in which they take place. <laughs> that being said, we do appreciate you again for listening to another episode of Getting Grown with Jaden. Immensely. <laughs> <laughs> We want you to have an amazing week on purpose. We want you to take care of yourself. And in that self-care, we, it, we, just, we just encourage you to continue to drink your water and moisturize your skin. And mind your business, Watson. Because mm. your black will crack if it's dry or disrespectful. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa, where I, your host and astrologer, Issa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts.